Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. There, we are on the road, and we are sitting here in Ladera Ranch, Orange County, California. And it has been raining. Everybody is thrilled that it's been raining, except for one thing. Yesterday was um, our son Noah's graduation from USP with his master's degree in business, and it rained on the commencement, which was outside. But that was okay. They- that was a soggy, soggy commencement. I'm glad they had those. What do they call those big square hats, mortarboards? Yeah. They're glad, it's good they had those on. They served as umbrellas for all the poor graduates sitting out in the rain in the middle of the campus at SC. I don't think they minded. It was absolutely gorgeous. And by afternoon, when our son had his um, little uh, ceremony, it was beautiful again. But and They were indoors, so there you go. The outdoor one it rained, the indoor <laughs> one the sun was shining. But we're just, like you say, Linda. We're down here for for his graduation. We've got a lot of graduations this spring. We've got a grandson graduating high school. We've got a son-in-law graduating with a PhD at Stanford in economics. We've got to come back to California for that. So we're kind of eyes on the road now. Not not as much giving speeches or meeting with parenting groups lately as we are just trying to keep up with our own. Family. Oh my gosh, there's so much to do. It's still a full-time job, but it's so much easier, I have to say. When I'm with these little families, with five little kids, like as Noah and Christy have, and all the stuff that goes into and having have somebody cover for them every time they step out the door and trying to get everybody ready and the mess and all that stuff, I just think, oh my gosh, I wouldn't go back for anything, but I loved it. <laughs> I loved it, but I would not go back. I know we don't know too many grandparents who would go back into the trenches of well, we full-time know, parenting. We do know um, who loved it so much and miss it so much. But you know, I just I love going on and being at this stage in their life, which kind of introduces what we're going to. Well, that's kind about of a today. good. That's kind of a good segue into our subject for the day, which is how do you coordinate? parenting and grandparenting going on in your family. In other words, you know, you got these little kids who are everybody's top priority. They are. They're the priority of the parents. They're they're also the priority of the grandparents. We we we've been working on a book called Life in Full that'll come out in the in the fall. And one of the one of the areas of research was attitudes of grandparents and, and here's a fantastic number. of baby boomers who have grandchildren say that their grandchildren are the highest priority and the greatest joy in their lives. I'm not, I think that's probably higher than the number of parents who would say it. (laughs) Probably so. But you know, it is sad. There are some grandparents that have, you know, take off and say, you know, I've done my thing. I'm going to Sun City. I'm going to play golf and I'm going to enjoy my life. And I'm leaving all that behind. We were in with a group in Colorado last year, and it was a brilliant group of young parents. And uh, the president of the group that we were with uh, sat by us at dinner and said, we have really a big problem. Our parents do not know our children. And I guess... The grandparents the, don't know their the parents, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess one, of, one set of grandparents were fine, but they lived far away. But the other parents, grandparents were living right there 
and they did not want anything to do with their grandchildren. And well, they were just kind of like, we're done. We did our thing. We, we did our thing with children. Now, now it's your turn. And so, you know, Linda, it's almost like, in fact, this might sort of frame our subject for today. It's like a spectrum on, on the one end. And, and again, the topic is how do you coordinate? How do We've all got these priorities, which are our children, and so the grandparents care, the parents care. But how do the efforts of the whole family, three-generation family, how, how can they be coordinated for the best good of the children so that what the grandparents are doing is not in conflict with what the parents are trying to do? And, and again, it's kind of like a spectrum. And on one end of the spectrum, you mentioned when there are grandparents who just say, uh, I'm disengaged, I'm done, you know. You guys raise the kids. I might drop in once in a while and or get them money. a gift or yeah. send them money. And then the other end of the spectrum, and this is not insignificant, you've got grandparents who are so involved with the grandkids, they're like on it all the time, and they're trying to tell the parents how to do their job, and they're, and they're trying to micromanage everything, and they're trying to give everything to the grandkids, and it's just totally getting in the way of the, what the parents are trying to do. So it's like from not enough involvement to way too much involvement. And I think what we're trying to get at today is how does, and, and we should start out by saying, hey, not everyone has grandparents. And, and so if you do, if you're lucky enough to, if your kids are lucky enough to have parents and grandparents, that's that's wonderful. But how do you coordinate and maximize and, and and make it synergistic so that everything that's happening is actually working for the good of those kids. There's no conflicts. There's no opposite messages going on. Everything works for the benefit of the kid. That's that's the ideal, but it isn't easy. It isn't easy, and I think we need to take a minute and just reflect back on our own grandparents, your grandparents, you listeners, um, and think about the relationship you had with them. Um, my family, uh, my dad was uh, 53 when I was born. My mom was 41. And so it was a whole another generation older than most parents. So I didn't know my grandparents very well. Um, my grandmother on my mother's side died in the uh, Spanish influenza epidemic when she was 39 with 10 children. And then she took two, her two babies with her that same week and they were all buried together. And so I never knew her, and um, my I knew my grandfather, but all I knew is that he was <clears throat> proud of me that I played the violin because he was a violinist, and, oh, a fiddler, I should say. And so, um, and then my other grandmother was so old that she just, I loved her, and the more I know about her now, the more dearly I love her, but I didn't know her as a person when I was a child. And I think we need to realize that we can't really replicate in every case, um, how our how our relationship with yeah, our grandparents. Well, every family is different, yeah. and, and the times are different. I mean, it used to be, really, you only have to go back two or three generations to where the U.S. had the same norm that the rest of the world has now, namely three generations living in the same house. So you got the parents, the grandparents, and the kids all living together, and, and in a way... I mean, that sounds terrible to some of us, uh, but but in a way, that was an easier time to coordinate things. I mean, everyone's right there together. Who's going to take the kids to school? Who's going to feed them? Who's going to, you know, you just automatically start dividing up responsibilities. But in a typical American home now, 
you've got one parent family or a two parent family with children, and then you've got maybe a grandparent living close by. I mean, that's another big thing. Some, you know, some families will have two sets of grandparents living right in the same town. And, and maybe if they're on the involvement end of the spectrum, maybe the biggest problem is the, the, the two sets of grandparents competing for the allegiance and, and loyalty and, and to be the favorite grandparents. And then you've got, again, the other end where um, maybe you've only got one grandparent living and they live in Florida or something, and the kids haven't seen the grandparent for five years. So there's all those different things. And we're not here to say there's one ideal. We're just saying whatever your circumstance is, however many grandparents you have, however many, however close they live, can there be some constructive sort of proactive efforts to say, hey, let's agree on what our goals are for these children and let's decide together how we can tackle those goals or who can do what. Yeah, uh, it, this is so it's such an individual thing, and I know many listeners would have grandchildren living on the same street or within five or ten minutes of them, and um, and many maybe all of the grandchildren would live close. But in our case, we have nine children, and one lives an hour away in Ogden, Utah. With five of our grandchildren. Five of our grandkids. So, uh, but we are lucky enough to be able to visit those kids a lot. We see them all the time, but. Because of the distance, we have to come up with some really creative plans to stay in touch with our grandkids. It's not because we it's not because we fly around the world and random visiting grandkids. It's because we're lucky enough to travel to speak to parents and do other professional things. And believe me, we're partial to invitations that come, uh, speaking invitations and such that come from an area where we've got some grandkids or that take us through uh, on a connecting flight or whatever where the grandkids live. So what Linda says is right. In a way, we've got, I mean, you, you, there's two ways to look at this. Some some parents are like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I, I wish the grandparents lived closer. Or the ones that live close are like, well, gee, I wish I lived a little further away so the kids wouldn't be dropped off to me as the grandma every Day for or babysitting. maybe there, yeah, there are a lot of grandparents who are doing a lot of babysitting in the world, which is fabulous because you do have a different kind of relationship with the child when you see him every day. But again, you need a plan. I mean, that's really going to be the bottom line we're going to get to today. Is there's not one right plan, but it's so much better to have a plan that's coordinated between the parents and the grandparents than to just sort of let it hang and see what happens, or and, or to resent. Yeah. Having, having to take care of kids all the time. If you have an agreement with the children about how much you can take and be comfortable with, and sometimes it's desperate. You know, the mother has to work or you've got a single mom who has no place else to put her children. And so then that's a whole different plan. But the plan is important, as you said. Yeah, now here, here's an example of, of why this is not an easy thing to do. So often we'll be talking to parents about um, helping their kids to be more self-reliant helping them to avoid the entitlement mentality that so many kids have today. And, and we'll hear from these parents who will say, well, you know, we're, we, we've really got into this. We've stopped giving allowances. We're having a family economy where the kids do certain things. They have responsibilities. They earn their own money. They have a bank account. They 
they're trying to save and trying to budget and all these things. And then my grand, the grandparents just come along and blow it all out of the water by just giving them money and giving them whatever they want. So the kids say, well, I'm not doing my jobs. I'm not going to do this family economy because if I need money, I'll just go to grandpa and he'll just give me money. That's a lot easier than doing all this work. So you get things like that and, and it just drives us crazy because where's the communication? Where is the coordination? Where are these parents? Why in the world don't they take the grandparents to dinner some night and say, look, we all love these children. You're our parents and we're the parents of these kids. We're in charge of our own children. We're the stewards over them, but we love to have your help in raising them. But can we coordinate it so that what you're doing isn't working against what we're trying to teach them? And after a little break, I think I'll give you the final word here, but let's come back and talk about maybe how to set up this meeting between parents and grandparents. Well, it's interesting because we we do have some good ideas, some fun things that we can talk about uh, according to examples we've just heard in the last couple of weeks. So join us again in just a few minutes. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Okay, we're back. Now, Linda, let me put a question to you. Let's, let's assume that you are a young mom. I mean, you are young and beautiful looking even as you are now. But let's, let's assume that you're a young mom and, and you've got two or three little kids and you've got some well-meaning grandparents who seem bent on spoiling your kids and who don't seem to get what you're trying to do as a parent or care very much what you're trying to do as a parent. What would you do? Let's say you're going to get together with the grandparents for dinner. What would you, how would you go about this? Well, you know, it reminds me of last week we were in San Diego with uh, really fun people and um, we were doing a session on teaching children responsibility with money and having an economy and so on. And one of the members in the audience uh, raised his hand and said, what do I do with my parents? Honestly, they give my kids junk every week. They give them so much stuff, and we don't know what to do with it. We want to appreciate it, but we, we've got to tell them something. We've got to tell our kids, you got to give this away as soon as you get it because we just already have too much stuff. Well, I think it's interesting to look at both sides of that story because there's a reason my grandparents are doing that. And I think you need to understand that, too. Maybe he never got anything as a child. I think his grandpa was the one that was, and maybe it was both of them, I don't know. But there was something from their childhood that made them wish they had stuff they'd never had, and they were, they are determined to give it to their children because they have it. Okay, that, that's a good background, but I'm putting you on the spot. You're now the young mom, and you're going to sit down with these grandparents. What, what are you going to say to them? How are you going to approach them? Well, I think I would say... This is what we've decided to do as a family. And you're hopefully both parents are there. If you're a single mom, a single dad, you can do it your way. But it really would be good to have both parents there and just say, this is what we've decided. We really want to teach our children to be responsible with money and with the things that they have. And this is how we plan to do it. And then lay out a system. And then just say, how do you think you can fit into this. How can you help us? 
And I think they'll probably come up with, well, I guess we could quit giving them so much stuff. I mean, I see that could be a problem. They're not thinking about it from your viewpoint of trying to make a responsible child with money, but um, they're thinking about it from their viewpoint. So if you can think about both of you uh, sharing some things, maybe you could even ask parents, you know, how do you feel about this? How, how were you? How do you perceive what you're giving the kids, and so on and so on. And you'd learn some surprising things probably on both sides. Now, now Linda's kind of going on the on the money thing and the spoiling, and that's a big, often a very big thing for parents. But, but this what we're suggesting to you, this coordinating meeting or this dinner or this proactive approach, could work for any number of things. I mean, you, you could it could be the, it could be a family that doesn't have any resources and you're going to the grandparents to saying, can you help here on this or that? And how can we coordinate things? Or it might be, it might have to do with rules and laws and, and kids not, not being obedient. It might have to do with any number of potential parenting worries. And I, what I would add to what you said, Linda is, you know, I would, I would say, let's, let's really make this a meeting where we all know we're coming together to really analyze and help on our kids. And then the ideal setting is where the parents are essentially in charge. I, I, it'd be hard for a grandparent to do this. If you're a grandparent and you, you call your kids, the parents of your grandkids, and say, hey, let's go to dinner because we want to talk to you about how you're parenting our grandkids. That's just a loaded gun. I mean, that's like, that oh, no, mom and dad are going to tell me how to raise my kids. So the initiative on this really needs to come from the parents because then you're in a position as a parent to say to the grandparents, you know, we we value you guys. You're the ones that raised us, and we value your your wisdom so much, and we would really like you to to share with us your thoughts on our children. How do you see our kids? What do you see as their biggest uh, assets? What do you see as their biggest liabilities? What are the what are the things you can see objectively that we're not doing for them as parents that we should be doing? And the minute you ask those grandparents for advice, you're going to have them eating out of your hand because those grandparents are going to be they're going to be so grateful that A, you care enough and think enough of them to ask for their advice, and B, that you thought maybe you were raised okay by them and you want to know if there's any tricks they want to pass on to you for raising your kids. So now you've got them right where you want them as grandparents, and then you're in a position to do what you just said, Linda, to say, thank you so much. We're just so anxious to have you involved in the raising of our kids. Let us, let us tell you what some of our objectives are right now in parenting as far as teaching kids how to handle money, as far as teaching kids to be obedient or to keep family laws, as far as helping them with their spirituality or their, or their, their, their faith or whatever it is, and lay out. This will force you as a parent to sort of have a plan. Lay that plan out for, for the grandparents and say, now, number one, what do you think of our plan and what would you add to it? And number two, let's talk about how we can team up on this. What are some of the things you can do that will help us get toward this goal and this plan? And, and how do we, you know, let's share it. Let's delegate it. Let's work together as a team 
to raise these wonderful kids. You know, it occurs to me that the advice, I don't know if you remember this or not, the advice we gave that young couple in Colorado who we talked about in the first half of the show uh, whose grandparents were totally disengaged with their teenagers and they were struggling with their teenagers. I think what we told them is to ask the grandparents to come to a dinner because you're struggling with your teenagers and to get their advice. What could they do and could, could they help in any way? Because you could see you're losing them or that they were going in the wrong direction and what do you think that they should do? And as Richard said, asking for advice is the greatest thing you can do with a grandparent because they're always full of it. Well, and it'll, it'll, the chemistry of that is so incredibly good and the chemistry of the grandparent initiating and saying, honey, let me give you a little advice on how you're raising your children. That's such negative chemistry. It makes all the difference in the world. In fact, if you're a parent and you ask those grandparents for input, for help, for advice, not only will they be more likely to help, they'll also be more likely to compliment you. Nine times out of ten, it's, oh, honey, you're you're so much better a mother than I was. You're doing wonderfully. Uh, you know, I just love how you discipline your children. I just love, you know, the, the organization you have in your house. And so most grandparents will say that as a preface to any advice they want to give if you as the parent ask them for their help. But there's a lot of grandparents out there who are just sort of sitting there gritting their teeth and saying, oh, man, I could really give some good advice, but I better not because I don't want to offend. And the minute the parent says, hey, you know, let's let's team up on this. Let's raise these kids together. Wow, that just makes the grandparent feel so good that everything's going to be pretty nice. Um, you know, I this is for another show, I love to spend time in the summer with my kids and I call it a little grammy camp, it's just a little overnight thing. But I love to share with my grandchildren things that I love. And I think the parents, if they even need to be on board on that because I love music, I love art, and, and our kids do too. So they're grateful when I jump in and say, let me uh, have some input in your kids' lives. As far as music goes, this year uh, for grammy camp, I send out... 20 little clips of my favorite classical pieces and I actually offered a little reward if they could this summer name the piece and, and the composer and, and the little extra reward if they could even uh, identify the, the era of music. But um, you need to make sure that the parents are okay with that. Like, I'm not taking over or anything. I just want to share the things that I love with my grandchildren. And I think that's important. Sometimes you just assume that you, your kids will love whatever it is that you have to teach your children. You just need to be on the same page and let them know what you're thinking before you launch into anything, even gifts. You know, I, I started out doing Christmas gifts and I thought, oh, so-and-so would love this, so-and-so would love this. And then I talked to the mother. Our oldest daughter happens to be very opinionated about what her children have. And she said, oh, no, don't get them that. Don't. They, this is what they want. This is what they need. And so um, we're all on the same page. I make sure that I, uh, that I check with parents before I give anything to kids. And I think that's always a good idea. Oh, I think you've just, you've just given the other side of the formula, Melinda. That's really good because if, if, let's say you're a grandparent and you're listening to this show today and you're saying, well, you're, you're saying I can't take any initiative. I have to wait for the kids to ask me for advice or whatever. No, you, you, there's certain things you can do that are not going to offend your children. And Linda just mentioned a great one. You could say, 
you know, I mean, this is essentially what you've done, Linda. You've said to our kids, to the parents of our grandkids, you've said, look, you, you know me. I love music. I love art. I, I would really like to, to spend some time with the kids teaching them about about art. Do you think that would be good? And the parents, of course, say, well, absolutely. be wonderful. I mean, you can do it better than we can, by all means. And so you can take initiative, but you just said the key thing, Linda, don't just... I think where it goes south is when the grandparents just bypass the parents. They just do whatever they want with the kids. It's my right. They're my grandkids. I can give them whatever I want. I can do. And, and then the parents feel alienated and left out. And all you would have had to do is say, hey, I'd like to give this. This is something I'd really like to do for your for the, the kids. Uh, is that going to get in the way of anything you're doing? Is that going to be okay? 99% of the time, unless it's some wacky idea, the parents are going to say, awesome, go for it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the bottom line of the show today is how much fun it is to have grandchildren and to coordinate with their parents. I know sometimes the feelings are not always the best and, and you regret that you don't have a better relationship with your parents or the grandparents and vice versa, but it really helps a lot to go out to dinner and talk about the kids and talk about how you coordinate and mesh what you love and what they love together and so that you're all on the same page. And, and whether you're the grandparent or the parent, start out with a compliment. Say, if you're the parent, say, wow, you know, I, I, I look back on how you raised me. You're such a good parent. Or if you're the, the, if you're the, you're the grandparent, say, wow, I just admire what you're doing with your children. Get the, get the positive stuff going, and then that will work its way into a constructive thing. And once you're on the same page saying, what can we do to make these lives of these children better, that's when you'll be united. So we wish you the best wherever you are, whoever you are, and we'll be talking again soon. Thanks for joining us. Next week, join us on Iris on the Road. 